0: What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And I have another dope episode for y'all this week. Really excited for this guest, but a quick logistical reminders on how to support the show. Number one, like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really, really helps folks discover the show. Number two, follow RTWD on IG and TikTok, uh, at RTWD podcast, send your boy a DM, say hello, tell us about your favorite episode, love all of that awesome feedback. And then finally, by joining the Real Fam Patreon page, by financially supporting the show, you are literally, and I mean literally, literally helping the show run because this thing ain't free. Uh, A big shout out to all those uh, in The Real Fam already. I love you. I appreciate you. All those who are not in The Real Fam, I love you. I appreciate you. But uh, help your boy out. Anyways, all right, now on to my guest. And this week, I am joined by Crystal Ellington, and I'm going to go ahead and have her introduce herself. Crystal, how are you doing today?
1: I am well, Jonathan. I'm so excited to be a part of the show today. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you doing?
0: Oh, my gosh. It has been a week. I mean this it's uh we're recording on a Thursday and mm-hmm. it feels like it's been about 2 months crammed into uh one week uh these last 3 or 4 days. So I'm I'm moving. I am moving around and running around. Um Man, but you said you were I... you were... go ahead.
1: Sorry, go ahead. <laughs>
0: no, I was just saying <laughs> I was just saying you you said you were mentioning you had a full uh, a full week as well.
1: Oh my goodness. Like I can't Believe that next week is already February. I'm honestly still living in like March 2021. So I never know what day it is at any given time. Yes. So I'm just like, is it Friday? Is it Tuesday? Like, it is what it is. So. But you did tell me I need to introduce myself, so let's go. Yes, please do. Please do. So I actually had the pleasure of meeting Jonathan, all the Real Talk fam, through the Black Speakers Collection, which, if you have not joined and you are a Black speaker, you are absolutely missing out. Mm -hmm. A big shout-out to Madison Butler doing her thing. Seriously. Um, Definitely sign up if you're a Black speaker. It is a community where all of us can get together and share in all of our awesomeness and our Black excellence. Mm -hmm. So please please, please please join like share. Um, So I am recently separated from the military. I was retired medically. Mm. Um, I was in a special operations aviation unit, which was super fun. And I say that with the most sarcasm that I can muster. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, the military is not for everyone. And I am extremely grateful for the um, opportunities that it afforded me, but it was time to go. Yes. Definitely. Um. So, uh, upon me leaving, I was like most military folks. I had absolutely no clue what I wanted to do. Um, I was thinking maybe project management. I was thinking maybe um utilizing my communications degree, which is actually what I settled on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the communications director at Minority Veterans of America, where we are changing the narrative of the American veteran. So essentially, we are making sure that we are giving a voice to those uh, minority and underrepresented communities. So women, POCs, um, LGBTQ folks, and religious minorities. So we make sure that they have the resources that they need and also make sure that they just have community because a lot of times once you're a veteran, it is extremely isolating. Mm. So we just want to make sure that you know that you have family and that you are seen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And I think on, uh, I don't think on my podcast, I've spent a lot of time talking about like the veteran community. I, I don't know if I've shared even like my own experience with the military. Like I'm a military kid. My, my stepdad was in the military. Grandpa, great grandpa. Um, I got uncles, all that stuff. Like a lot of family, um, a lot of my family is in the military. And that was the track I was going to take. But my mom <laughs> said... <laughs> <laughs> S- slammed that door real quick and in a hurry. <laughs> um
1: Listen, your mom knew what was good. She was like, no son of mine is gonna be doing this. Like there are other opportunities and I think that's dope that you had an involved parent to mm-hmm. um kind of slam that down, as you said. Um it's it's great for a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. you know, it has its benefits, but I'm not gonna lie, like they do um target the minority in black and brown communities because Mm -hmm. they know we don't really have a lot of choices. So that's just being real.
0: No, no, keep it all the way uh, a stack. And where I lived was, um, it's Barstow, California. when I went to high school and it's like a low income area. Like I think it was like, when I lived there it was like 64% like folks on welfare, food stamps, all those Mm -hmm. things. So it was like a very, very poor, like small town. It's like 25,000 people, but like they had an office um for all of the branches of the military in that small little town and like mm-hmm. everybody would show up to every single like, like i'm talking navy air Force marines um uh, all of them uh would show up every single college fair mm-hmm. every single like high school event every single time they were always there and um yeah i i know a lot of people uh that ended up joining the military because they're like what or that the marine logistics base that's out there because like what else There's not a lot of opportunity out there. So I I get it. And just like you said, there is, you know, it affords some people some opportunity, but it literally is not for everybody. I feel you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I think that most people, especially outside of the military, don't really understand how vital and how important recruiting is to Mm. the military. Um, I definitely have stories of, for the sake of brevity, I won't really share today, but I I have heard some recruiting stories. Um, of horror and Mm. people don't understand that recruiting is actually a job within the military Mm. um so you have quotas you have to meet you have um you know all of these stipulations on you as a recruiter and it's just like any other sales job to be honest
0: wow that is Mm -hmm. that's really tough and i've i've heard some horror stories but we don't need to dive into that um because (laughs) we want to (laughs) talk because i actually want to spend um more time in like talking about you and like your advocacy work and the stuff that you didn't um uh, have been doing since you've um retired from the military so you mentioned that you that you do uh, that the organization that you work for is like creating community and, and and space for those who are those marginalized communities within you know uh veterans can you can you share a little bit more about like the organization and, and what and what your role is there
1: Oh man, okay. So, I guess I'll we'll start with a story as to how I even got involved with yeah. Um So, I was in the process of doing what we call out processing. So, it's when you take all the classes and essentially get all of the information and knowledge that you need to transition out of the military smoothly. Mm-hmm. By the way, out processing is a joke. They don't tell you all the stuff you need, they give you like 8,000 pieces of paper, and it's oh, like, no. okay, good
0: luck. Oh, no. (laughs) Um,
1: But I was looking for an opportunity to volunteer um, because I knew I would have more time on my hands, obviously. So I did research and found out about minority vets. And Mm. through another organization I was a part of, I found out one of the women involved, her name is Melissa, still my best friend to this day.
0: Shout out, Melissa. um,
1: Found out that they were looking for um, more volunteership in the Seattle. Area, which okay. is where I was at the time. And um, so I went to what we were calling our supply drop, which is essentially where we had volunteers within the local community come together and pack boxes and um, supply bags and all of the supplies that a veteran could need for, you know, cold weather to make sure that they had food for the boxes that we packed would feed a family of four for a month. Oh, wow. Um, So, we ultimately ended up distributing over 20 tons of food across six cities across the country. So, (laughs) Supply Drop was great. Um, So, um, Seattle Supply Drop was my first experience with MBA. And I immediately felt this sense of community and I felt Mm. this sense of belonging and bringing my full self to the volunteer work I was doing. So, I was like, man, like, I really want to be a part of this long term. Um, and then in doing more research, I found out that they were looking for a communications director and I was like, man, my degree is in communications. I love the organization. Like this is lit. Like Uh I need to do this right now. Um, so then I found out that the position had actually already closed. So I was Uh heartbroken. Okay. So I talked to the executive director and I'm like, Hey, I love your organization. I just want an opportunity to interview. So, long story short, um, after 3 rounds of interviews and about 200 other applicants, your girl got the job. Let's go. That's what you am. Yes. Um so I immediately got to work um as soon as I joined MBA, we were actually in the process of getting the word out about Um, alternate forms of therapy for veterans, one Mm. of which being medical marijuana. Um, A lot of folks may not be aware, but, um, you know, substance use is a scourge on the veteran community, Mm. Um, dealing with PTSD, dealing with combat related injuries, all these things. A lot of times the symptoms are more focused on than the actual root cause. So Uh a lot of vets get hooked on you know, opioids and all these drugs. Um, So um, working with that was a really big eye-opener into the impact that we could have on the community because medical marijuana, that article that we uh, did the op-ed for in the Washington Post was so Mm. well-received. Not going to share whether I smoke or not, but I'm going to leave that to y'all's imagination. (laughs) Um, I do know a few folks that have um, had improvement by leaps and bounds because they use medical marijuana. So I am an advocate. I will say that.
0: Yes. Um, Me too. I I fully support. I fully support.
1: (laughs) Right. right. Yeah. 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 So um, and then we've also had the opportunity to speak out about um, sexual harassment and sexual assault. Not sure how familiar you are with the Vanessa Guillen case. Um, It was a specialist at Fort Hood. That her case essentially opened up a whole can of worms and investigated into um, some of the practices at Fort Hood in um, leadership and how Mm -hmm. stuff like sexual harassment was rampant, but nobody was doing anything about it. Um, So we were very involved in um, getting legislation passed in Vanessa Guillen's honor to Mm -hmm. honor her legacy um, and show that her death was not in vain. Yeah. so uh, as of yesterday, actually, sexual
0: harassment in the army is a crime. So Every, yeah. that was a huge win. Wait 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 um,
1: wait. Then- I'm sorry, Chris. I got I got. I
0: <laughs> I'm pause. sorry. I'm just rambling. Sorry. No, no 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 no. Everything you're saying is absolutely wonderful. I, this is why I want you to. I would. Yes, we all need to hear this. <laughs> I I just got to pause because you said that sexual harassment is now a crime
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the military.
1: As it was not before.
0: Correct. Okay, I'm not laughing because it's not serious. I'm laughing because like, uh, it's like an angry, nervous, frustration laugh that I that that's (laughs) that's like that's ridiculous to me. Okay, okay.
1: Like how the saying goes, like truth is stranger than fiction. The fact that sexual harassment was not something that was even taken seriously up until the past couple years. As um, well to me. Like, for instance, when I was at my unit, which was primarily male, it's an aviation unit, right? Mm-hmm. So the sexual assault person that was in charge was a man. And I felt like that was so counterproductive and not mm-hmm. just saying only women are subject to sexual harassment and assault. Yeah. But come on, y'all. Like, yep. seriously? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. We it, it, Just looking at statistics, you already know that like, it's less likely that they're going to actually follow through with a report. Like, I'm talking about like men. They're they're not gonna follow the report. They're not gonna believe you. All these different things. It's just That's wild. Okay. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I would yes, never feel man. comfortable in a role like that. Like, not because like I would be, I'm just not qualified. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be like, this is much more fitted for a woman, because we know where those reports are gonna come. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. it's not gonna come from men, but we know where those reports are gonna come. It's so, like, is it likely that? A woman's going to come to me and report it, you know. Right, Probably not. exactly. And yeah. I think
1: that you know, again, a lot of that sexual assault and harassment training it was taken as a joke. Um, I, you know, again, for the sake of brevity, I'm not yeah. going to get into all the stories because I yeah, got we a don't. ton of them. Yeah, we don't <laughs> have to. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but yes, so sexual harassment is now a crime in the military. Um, And then we also did a lot of work um, with our trans community. Um, We were part of Fight the ban because being who you are and Mm. showing up to work as your full self is frowned upon generally in the military. So, um, you know, back when President Trump was in office, there was Mm. a ban against transgender uh, folks serving. And once that that ban was lifted, it was, you know... Essentially allowing our trans community and our trans um family in arms to show up as their full selves. Mm. And that was always baffling to me, where it's just like, are you able to do your job? Are you able to come to work on time? Am I able to trust you? Cool. That's all that matters. That's it.
0: That's it. Yep.
1: Yeah. So um Essentially, the argument was that having transgender service members continue to be able to serve was an issue of military readiness and uh, battle readiness. And I think that having a diverse community, whether that's LGBTQ, whether it's black and brown folk, or even just a diversity in the thought process, that's what's going to make you mission ready. And that's not just for the military. That's for any company, any organization. Yep. and I think that's why uh, DI is so hot right now. You know, it's the hot button topic. Oh yeah. Um. And yeah, I have a lot to say. I'm not gonna go there, but yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, please do. We got time. Uh, <laughs> and I always love to. I love a good soapbox. So please do. Okay. Okay.
1: Good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Soapbox initiated. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to preface this with. These thoughts and comments are of my own personal volition and not the thoughts and comments of those of Minority Veterans of America. Okay. Now that I've said it- You're such a good director
0: you, of communications. I love it.
1: Yes, <laughs> let me tell you. These folks jumping on this diverse, diversity, equity, and inclusion like bandwagon, mm-hmm. I am 110% grateful and thankful that Black and brown folks are finally being seen. Yes. It's great- I'm glad that we have a voice and we also need our non POC community to understand that we can't do this without y'all. We're mm-hmm. not your black Google.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: should not have to be the ones responsible for teaching you the naming We yep. should not have to be the ones responsible for telling you about black hair mm-hmm. or why our skin doesn't burn in the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, some people I don't want to be, you know, overgeneralizing but (laughs) you know all of these things that are indicative of black culture we are not your encyclopedias it is absolutely important for you to learn these things and become Mm. a student of anti-racism yourself Yeah. and to be a part of those conversations and a part of those roundtables saying how can I be an ally it's Mm -hmm. not our job to do it for you you have to do the
0: work absolutely I'm gonna hop on no, no, no. I'm a hot then we're gonna trade place because I'm a hot <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> cause uh because I've been having this thought because, you know, when I joined um uh BSC, which is Black Speakers Collection, the um uh always representing, but the uh, um I I was just seeing all these people that like have been doing this work, you know what I'm saying? And I am one of those and me and my my partner have been been doing this work for, you know, uh a a little while, a little while before it was popular. Um, you know, I have friends that have <laughs> that have lost their jobs. Quite frankly, my wife lost her job. You know, they say she was uh it was a, reor- re- a reorganization, but she was, yeah. she was fired. We already know what it was. And you so, spade um, to spade. yeah, yeah. And so, um, but that's what, you know, those institutions like to do. But, um, but like, you know, I've, I'm seeing all these people, you know, in the 2020, post 2020, add DEI, like, uh, facilitator, a DEI trainer, or DEI consultant. I'm like, first of all, I knew you pre 2020. <laughs> I knew you pre 2020, and I was I was calling this stuff out. And where were you? Nowhere to be seen, bro. You took one. You took a. You took a six week course. You ain't no DEI facilitator, contract person, whatever. You're literally. You are literally taking taking money, um, where it could be given to people that are actually doing this work. And it is like incredibly frustrating, and and I had someone I have a guest on um, that's coming up, and she like calls it out. She's like, "You want to know how you know that they're worth it? Is because like if they just keep claiming they're like an expert, or claiming this, or claiming that, claiming this, claiming that. Like nobody's gonna go in and and do that work, and you're gonna walk out feeling comfortable. Like if you walk out feeling comfortable, like you got the wrong person. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and it's like it, it, I, I get like I'm starting to get so warm. I just get so angry. Like I'm sweating. Yes, because it's just like, yo, like, yeah, we we need white folks too, but like there's some people that and I'm talking like black folks that like literally added that um and they got like anecdotal like anecdotal stuff, you know what I'm saying? And they and they weren't even doing they weren't even doing the work before. They were like perpetuating and and um uh, hiding and um leaving folks out to dry. It, it it's just like, bro, we we don't need you in the work. You need to do some self-work, some self-reflection, take some time, sit this one out. Um, right. But, but like, yeah, we, we need like actual people that are in the work that are really um, willing to do the advocacy stuff. Um, yeah. It, I, I just get so frustrated. Okay. Exiting soapbox. <laughs> well,
1: I, I, I have a follow-up question to that, honestly. So yeah. how do you feel that people who are wanting to be in the DEI space and genuinely wanting to further the work, where mm. do you recommend somebody like that get started, mm, even as yeah. a person of color?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think one of the things that I I even recognized within, within myself and, and when I started my company Common Culture was that I didn't wanna be like the DEI person. Although I did like my, my applied thesis work on like leadership and diversity, I didn't wanna be like the diversity person. I wanted to show <laughs> That like when we diversify our leadership, when we diversify like our organizational cultures, the way that we communicate all these different things, it actually drives innovation and gets like all the wonderful things that we want in our business. Right. It pushes us forward. But what one of the things that I do do is like those things are like in me. Those things are embedded. I, I call myself an organizational psychologist. I don't say I'm a DEI expert or anything like that. So like. Those people that want to get into those spaces, I ask them this question, like, why do you want to get into that space? Why do you want to say the DEI thing, DEIB or whatever? Uh, Because I I would actually encourage you, do the work that you're doing, specialize in the stuff that you're doing, because like these positions specifically, diversity, equity, chief of diversity, all those different things, like those should not exist, right? Those things shouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if it's embedded in the work that we're doing as like, you know, an HR person, as... um, a marketing manager, um, as like, a you know, a recruiter, all those different things, it should be in, in, in the work that you're doing. Um, and so like, that's the, that's my dream is like for common culture, we exist because we want, um, uh, organizations to be led by equity, mind, equity-minded leaders, um, for su- positive societal change. And so like, yes. that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I push. And that's what I, I, I encourage folks to do. Because, like, it's embedded in what I do. Like, I think of equity. I think of diversity. I think of inclusion. I think of belonging out of, like, the organizational development and talent management work and consulting and coaching that I do. So that's what I would encourage. You so getting off my soapbox again. Yes, I
1: love <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah,
0: So I've gotten good at my pitch. You just... Uh. <laughs>
1: Come on, elevator speech. Yes, yes.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but Crystal, I love the... Um, I love, like, the heart and passion, not only just, like, behind um, MVA, which is, wait, Minority Veterans, wait, can you say the- Minority
1: huh? Veterans of America. You got okay.
0: it. Okay, I had it. All right. Dang, I'm going to cut that in post. I'm going to cut that in post. All right, I might keep it. I don't know. Anyways, um, but I love the heart and passion behind the work um, of that organization, but also you as a director of communications, like, just, like, your heart and passion behind diversity, equity, and, and inclusion, just, like, people- deserve to be their full selves bring their full selves to work and so like I I love that like you're in this position where you're like a director of communications and pushing that and like I mean the comms coming out of this organization and like you're and it's already an advocate um, organization I I just I just love that I just wanted to just say I just love that (laughs) because it's just I don't I don't come across people that are in this role and doing this work that often that are just like this is this is it this is it you know what I'm saying so
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly agree. And that's one of the reasons why this role interested me so much is because it's very important to me to make sure that people that look like me have a voice because Mm -hmm. I 110% know what it feels like to be voiceless, what it feels like to be invisible Mm -hmm. and not have a way out or see a way out of feeling that way. Um, so even in like the LinkedIn posts that I see now, I just see so many people advocating for themselves and being their whole selves and speaking their truth. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so funny because I've been on LinkedIn before, like you said, before it got big, I've been on LinkedIn probably since 2009 or something like that. And now seeing how it has completely pivoted complete 180 And people are just like cursing on there and posting their kids. And it's just, and a lot of people have an issue with it because it's supposed to be a professional platform. But who Mm -hmm. defines what professional is? Thank you. Why does professionalism have to mean taking your personality out of that? I can be a mom. I can be a, you know, athlete. I can be all of these things and still be professional. I can have natural hair and be
0: professional. Yes,
1: I can come to a meeting in sweatpants and still be professional.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So I think that um, I, there's just this general shift that's happening in a workplace culture. And I'm absolutely here for it. Yes. And I think that those people that have an issue with it are the ones that we need to watch. Absolutely. Those are the ones that are clinging tooth and nail to old school, traditional um, ideas and those are the people that for me, I've seen historically are problematic AF.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. That just, yeah. I'm thinking of a post that I saw probably about a year, maybe a year and some change ago. And it just said like, um, when did LinkedIn get so political? And, I, and And the reason why that phrase get like really bothers me is because like every single thing that I do as a black person, black mm-hmm. man, um, in America is political like everything. <clears throat> and so like I can't wear my natural hair. Like I got to I got to cut my hair because like it's causing a disturbance in the workplace and and whatever. Um I can't talk a certain way. I got to like code switch, which I hate code switching, but I do it so naturally now that like I have to unlearn to code switch so I can be my full natural self. Then 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 when I see stuff in the news that happens and it literally weighs on my whole entire being because like if you believe in like the like the indigenous and like, uh, indigenous perspective of like, we are connected, um, Mm -hmm. that like, when I see my brother, (laughs) when I see my brother or my sister getting killed, um, uh, or detained or beaten or any of those things, uh, by police officers that are supposed to be sworn and protected by and and locked up by the state and private organizations, all these different things are weighing on my spirit. And like, I am, I have a right to feel certain kind of way about it. Like, there's no differentiate differentiating the two and so like when somebody Mm -hmm. says that like that is one of the most uh, that is the epitome of privilege to like separate these things to separate your own personal life from your work life which for Mm -hmm. a lot of people in historically excluded communities cannot do that and don't and quite frankly don't want to do that Um, Mm -hmm. but some are forced to do it uh, just to survive, right? And so like that just like bothers me. So I love that you bring up like even the changes that are happening on LinkedIn because I love what's happening on LinkedIn. Um yes, I'm I all like it I'm now. all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way better now. Yeah. I used to type all different like I don't even want to go back to what I used to put out there before. It's just like, hello, my name is Jonathan. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> oh gosh. But I just I just get so I just I, there was never a per a work cell personal self. You know what I'm saying? Like that, mm-hmm. that invisible that, that barrier never really existed. Um, we just do it because it benefits employers and companies. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Like so.
1: one, of, one of my very favorite James Baldwin quotes, and I'm loosely paraphrasing, um, mm. it's essentially to be a Negro in America and be at least a little bit conscious is to be in a constant state of rage. Mm-hmm. And I think that To your point, people don't understand we cannot, even if we wanted to, and some people do to assimilate or, you know, whatever they need to do to survive. Most of us cannot Mm -hmm. separate the two things and being black and having our skin dictate how we are treated, how we are communicated to the benefits that we have, you know, how essentially our life is lived in Mm -hmm. this society having the privilege to not have to worry about that, like, I couldn't even imagine. I really could not. Because growing up as a Black woman in the South, like, I've had co-workers while I was in the military ask me how I felt about the Confederate flag. I'm like, sir, you fully understand the context of that question. You fully Uh understand the context of black people, specifically in the South, specifically in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And you really thought it was a good idea to ask me that question in the workplace? And even in that moment, I was so taken aback. I didn't even know what to say. And I still kind of beat myself up because I could have stood up for myself. I could Mm -hmm. have advocated in that moment. But That's another thing about being Black is always this, you know, cost-benefit analysis. Like, is it really going to benefit me to go the fuck off right now? Excuse my language. You don't need to excuse it. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) This is a cussing
0: podcast.
1: (laughs) Like, at what cost? And not only is it going to be at a cost to me, but I represent my whole race. Mm -hmm. In every setting. So is it really going to get my point across to cuss this person out right now, you know? Mm so yeah. But yeah that's where
0: i'm at yeah it's it's uh yeah it's uh that's always frustrating and even like the the whole representation of your race is like that's not even me like i don't feel like i represent a race I, well i kind of do but like in the sense of like that's been forced on me like you mm-hmm. think i'm a representation of my race like you white person you um And I use white as the largest context. I'm not even. I'm not like white as in just like oh, like this white dude or oh, like from like European like descent, right? It's like um,
1: from a Eurocentric point. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm talking about those who are like from like a power majority, right? And Mm so, um, Dr. Kimia uh, Neurodennis, she, I, I spoke to her a few a few days ago, and she broke down like power majority, um power majority, power minority, because mm-hmm. she says, like, somebody can be, you know, uh, it's it's more about power and what that means. And so, like, somebody can ask you that, that uh, question or ask you a question or put you in a position because they feel, or they might be, or they are in a position of power. They are in the power majority, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, there's, like, a subconscious sense of, like, uh, I can, like, I have the right to ask a question like that.
1: Absolutely. And
0: it's just like, <laughs> I, I just, how dare you like put me in a position like that? It's, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, like, end of, end of rambling thing, point. Yeah.
1: If it's one thing that the power majority has, it's the audacity, honey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got it. <laughs> yes.
0: Or the caucasity. I can't believe yes, it. <laughs> <even better>. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, well, Crystal, you introduced me to a term, and I think it kind of like lends itself to this part of like our conversation. But you, uh, you shared like intersectional gratitude theory, and I was wondering if you could like explain to all of us, uh, please, uh, what that when, what intersectional gratitude theory is.
1: Absolutely. So it's a term that I have um, been made aware of and also been privy to by personal experience. Um, And it is essentially where a particular person or a group is a part of multiple intersections. I'll use myself as an example. So I am a Black, queer, female veteran. So that means I fall into four intersections. So essentially when someone sees me and they see me operating in my space, they automatically assume that I should be grateful for my seat at the power table. Mm -hmm. And not only do they expect me to be grateful and encourage my humility in whatever way that they feel is necessary, um, those people are also, you know, blatantly aware of the fact that I could not have worked hard on my own volition to get this close to the circle of power. Mm
0: -hmm. I had
1: to be trusted by another member of the power circle to even be in this proximate uh, location to the circle of power. So. Um, in a nutshell, um, intersectional gratitude is the theory that the closer you are to power and the more intersections that you are a part of, you need to be humble and you need to be grateful. And, um, that is the general idea of how the circle of power looks at you.
0: Mm. You know, what's interesting about that is like, like our community, I don't know about you, but like, if we, if we doing something, we doing our thing. We gonna flex a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like humble is just like, yeah, act like you've been there before or whatever. But like I feel like the people that have told me that are like typically this old school, old school generation that like one, don't cause too much attention or whatever, but also there's a there's a there's another uh train of thought of like I had like this coach that that like in high school when I was playing basketball, I started like getting good or whatever, and like he would just like uh, I wouldn't even act a certain way. I didn't change the way I acted, but like he would make sure that I was like like he would make sure like he would say these sly like little things of like that's that not that many points, sir. uh, you could rebound more. It just like undercut me. Uh, mm-hmm. and so uh and so it's just wild to me that like with as the closer we get to like the seat of authority and power and all these different things that like they always want to just like knock us down a little bit, let us know that we are, you know be be grateful, be thankful. Be, be grateful exactly. be thankful yeah
1: and and i don't think that it's also necessarily always going to be a white person no. or yeah. someone that's ne- necessarily seen as the center of power you know yeah. it could totally be you know like you said someone that is a coach or someone that feels they inherently have some type of power over you mm. Well, that coach was white,
0: but (laughs) But I digress.
1: (laughs) I think that um, the whole spirit of having to be humble is it's a double edged sword. I think that it is important to know where you come from. I think that it is important to um, be grateful for all the things that you have because it could be gone in a second. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other side of that is also a lot of times in the Black community, we don't celebrate our successes. Yeah, We do something, it is this amazing ass thing, and we're just like, okay, moving on to the next thing. And it mm. is that inherent teaching that you have to be twice as good to get half as far. Yep. And I think what our generation is doing, and when I say our generation, I mean like millennials and those after us, yeah. is we're, we're sick of that shit. Like, yeah. I'm gonna take vacations. The ancestors want me to rest. Yeah. Like I'm doing, yes. I'm doing things to break those generational curses. Um, because we don't have to be humble anymore. We can absolutely live in our amazing glory and black power. Is you know, back to the black speakers collection. Yes, yes, and yes. I look in Slack and I just see doctors and project managers and people that are ceos and Mm -hmm. it is so enlightening and so amazing to me that well maybe this intersectional gratitude theory will be obsolete because people in power will see that there's enough seats at the table everybody can eat
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so
1: i mean hopefully that's yeah where we're going
0: you know i I've, i've uh I don't know if anybody say this, but I'm going to say that I coined the term like white's <laughs> going to white, you know what I'm saying? It's so like it persists, white persists. It's so I mean whiteness, but the, the, it's just so, yeah. But at the same time I will be hopeful. Uh, but the, the, yeah, I, I, I think about like BSC and I've done the same thing, like just scrolling through it just like, you know, so many just like excellent, excellent things. And like, I've literally like, so I'm, 30 pushing 31. I've literally never seen. I really,
1: wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, time out. Yeah. I thought you was like 23. I'm not. <laughs> I was like, oh, he had a podcast. He got his own business. He's young. You don't like man doing the damn thing. I mean, 30 is still young. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But I'm like thinking you're like fresh out of college. You no, know, nah,
0: damn. You try to put me in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I, 30, yeah. No, yes. Yeah. Push the 31. I have a really young face. My brother is like nine years younger than me. And um, people think he's like you know thirty four, and I'm like, oh no, God. he's not. I know bro. you it's, still get
1: carded and everything.
0: I do every single time. They don't believe me. They look, they <laughs> look hard. They look hard. <laughs> this is fake. I know. I'm like, nah, man. I, got, I, I bought like multiple cards, man. I got like a. I got a retirement account, everything. I was an a... adult, I
1: swear.
0: Yeah, I swear, <laughs> man, I swear. I've been married for like five, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, yeah, so I'm like pushing 31. I've never seen like this many like black professionals all in one place. I, I really I really haven't. It's just like wild to me. Um, and like I get emotional like thinking about it every time. I get emotional looking through the slack. I get happy. Mm-hmm. I get all, all the feelings come up because I'm just like, like we do exist like we really do exist you know what i'm saying and seeing instagram and people that love to flex and it's like kind of frustrating because i'm like that car is probably leased you know what Mm i'm saying like for the people that flex a little too hard like that gold chain like you probably spent this money on it but like it literally has devalued like that like you're not really flexing all that hard but like you see people that literally like in the slide channel on bsc that are for real for real doing the damn thing like you know getting secure in the bag, like mm-hmm. doing all these, all kinds of different things. Um, and I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm like, what could that have done for me? You know what I'm saying? Yo. In high school or in elementary school, like, see that. and I feel like the, when I, like, when I see those things now, I'm like, I literally can do anything. Like, I, like I was so discouraged at the beginning of this year. Cause like things were moving really, really slow. For common culture and then BSC like picked up helped me pick things up. But like every single time I, I go through there, every single time I feel a little discouraged that man, like I just need to, you know, I just need to go ahead and hang up this whole thing because this is like this is hard. But then I look at they're doing it. I can do it. I literally could do anything. I literally could do anything. And so I feel that. I feel that so much. And and yeah, I think back to like God, like what that could have done for me. What that could have done for me like when I was a little kid or something like that. Um, just but to the, see that the people to... that
1: hold the power, they want you to feel alienated. They want you to feel like there's nobody else out here that's doing the damn thing. Like, yes, you are the token black. So don't think that you can, you know, reach for the stars because there's nobody else out here like you. Nobody else out yeah. here is doing the same things you are. Yeah, and that group has showed me like but wait, there is though, mm-hmm. there are all these successful black people for real, mm-hmm. not flexing, not, you know, boosting up their resume with fluff. Yeah, They're really out here in their communities, in, you know, their spaces as bosses, mm-hmm. like black people in tech, black people in cannabis, black mm-hmm. people as doctors. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, where have I been? Like, I'm like, I have not been in the right circles yeah. because this is news to me.
0: Yes. Yep. And even, uh, nope, lost my train of thought. It's all good. It's gone <laughs> <laughs> Cause you said something. I was like, yes. Uh, but it, it, it's gone. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. Cause yeah, I just like, I love that group so much. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It's back. Um, that like, like i need like it's a sense of community too you know what i'm saying like we might mm-hmm. not all be doing the same thing but it's really like everybody coming together and like oh i got this free workshop come through or like yesterday i was looking at something and they were like oh yeah i got like this i'm doing this poetry reading i'm really excited about it um come through if you want to come and then like somebody was like oh i just signed up go get it that's what's up and just like celebrating yes. celebrating yes. um and i'm just like uh, cheering folks on and all that stuff i just like love that like uh, Words of affirmation is like my love language. So, like, when somebody starts hyping me up, gasping me up, I'm like, ah, Yeah. So, I love it. I love it so much. Well, whenever Um, you
1: need words of affirmation to call me, text me, I am definitely that hype friend. Like, I'll be the one that's encouraging my friend to twerk at brunch, like, (laughs) gasping. so yes. that's that's definitely me
0: i love it and same here too i'd be hyping. i i carry the gas like for real i just like always got it on me so i <laughs> always got it on me so
1: yes um, well okay so while we're on that topic yeah. i want you to share with me one of your wins from this week like what has something been this week that you really am proud of
0: oh gosh um let's see that's a good question I actually got to pick one now. So, um, uh, well, this is a more of an emotional one, right? So this is more of an emotional one. So this is a very big win for me. So typically if I, I hate not being prepared. I hate people like um, coming into space with me and just like, man, that like sucked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, and so I had a discovery call, um, uh, with a potential client earlier this week. And I just like left that call at the end of it. I'm like, man, that was not good. And I literally, I could not like not, I could not stop thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? And the more, and literally like, this is how my like anxiety and my depression works is that literally I will start like shitting on myself. Like you are a terrible person. Like this is a terrible idea. Why did you start? And really, like, get down on myself. Um, but before I got into like the bottom of that, like, you know, uh, shit trough. I'm sorry, that's gross. But <laughs> that, that, uh, but the um, but the, uh, the very
1: effective visual.
0: <laughs> yes, but like the before I got to the very bottom of that, like, I actually like, woke up the next morning, brushed my teeth, um, I did like a skincare routine, took care of my face, um, I stretched. And like I was still thinking about it, but what I did was I said, um, I said, did that call go as well as well as you wanted it to go? And mm-hmm. I was doing, the, and I just did the dishes. I had a very slow morning yesterday. I just took my time with it. Good. And I said no. And I said okay. And I said, what could you do better, right? Like, what could you do differently in those meetings that can help them go smoother? Mm-hmm. And I said, I could probably like create like a, a stru- like some kind of structure or plan or get like a, some automated process going. I'm like, good all right. So are you really terrible at this? I said, no. And I said, how many other like contracts or deals have you closed in like the last two, three weeks? And I said, actually, I'm in the positive actually. So like this, it's not all that negative. And he said, good. And I was like, all right. Okay. And so, and so I literally had to take myself through a coaching session. I really had to. So I want to, um, I had, so like, that's my win It's like, it took me a day and normally it takes me like a week. Like literally I get in those moods and I'm in it for like a week. Um, but it only took me like, you know, less than 24 hours. I was so happy. So that, that's my win. Um, and I was refreshed. I was good to go yesterday. I was happy. I was dancing around the house. I was making jokes. I was singing cause I love to sing. So all yes. that stuff. Yeah. yeah So that's my win. Okay. So thank you so much. For outside this
1: time. podcast. We're going to be besties because we have yes. the same things. So I'm here for it. And I just have to say how proud I am of you. Oh,
0: don't make me cry, Crystal. I'm literally going (laughs) to cry, Crystal. Don't make me cry. Because,
1: okay, I am not going to sit here and pretend that I know what it's like on a daily basis to be a Black man. Mm. I know that there are an entirely different set of experiences and challenges that you have. And I know that self-speak probably is one of them. And I know as someone that is very highly functioning, from what I can tell about you, you are going to hold yourself to a certain standard. And that can be a good and a bad thing. Mm. So just the fact that you were able to turn that negative self speak around and turn it into a positive, especially for future Jonathan.
0: Yes, yes. That's
1: dope as hell. Like, congratulations. Thank Kudos you. on that.
0: Thank you. And
1: that's awesome. That is definitely a win. And a win doesn't even necessarily have to be like, oh, I landed this big contract or oh, you know, I did this tangible thing. It could be something as small as I ain't cussed nobody out today. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm winning. Yo, that is that's for real. I know somebody and like literally every time she doesn't cuss her boss out, that's a win for her. And I'm like, yo, get it. Get it. Yep. Uh, so
1: I think that you know even especially in the black community we really have to take our wins for what they are mm-hmm. instead of it having to be you know oh I made this much money so I have this new bag or I have yep. this new car it can be something as simple as like hey my kids are fed I'm mm-hmm. fed you know I still have breath in my body I have my health and Turning that into something that is a constant reaction, as opposed mm. to the negativity, that shit is hard. It's an it exercise. Is. It is. Every yeah.
0: Day. Yep. That is a discipline That's for sure. That's dope. Yep. Yes, and getting that like a mindset of like gratitude, like it's a game changer. Just like for your emotional and mental wellness, just like have mm. a mindset of gratitude. I love that. All right, your turn. What's your win? And we for sure oh, are gonna be, we're we're for sure gonna be best friends after this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. What is my win? Let's see. Um, so I had a, um, a talk last night. It was a panel mm. about voices of black veterans in 2022. Mm. And I almost didn't do the panel because three of the other folks I was on the panel with are extremely accomplished, like have been in the veteran space for, I want to say, at least 15 years, all mm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, have been on CNN. They're like, you know, senior analysts and advisors within their companies, and I'm just like, why y'all ask me to be on this show? Like, <laughs> I ain't none of this. Like, I do not understand what I am doing in this room. So I, I was gonna be like, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, but I am not in a space where I feel like I have anything to add to the conversation. Um. And then the day before, I was just like, you know what, Crystal, like, you need to prepare your ass off. Mm -hmm. You need to read the questions that they've given you beforehand and be prepared and be transparent. And the talk actually went a lot better than I thought it would. And I got some LinkedIn connections out of it. I got some exposure for MBA. So after the talk, it was just like, okay, maybe I am. Worthy of being in this room, so having that reinforcement that I am worthy and getting rid of some of that imposter syndrome, yeah, um, was it was really challenging. But here we are.
0: Yes. All right. Let me gas you up real quick. Let me gas Yay! you up real quick. You know, uh, just even in the you know time that I the couple of times that I've talked to you, I I could literally the passion, um, knowledge, wisdom. Um, care advocacy work that you do like radiates from you. And the reason why you were on that panel is because it's so evident that not only that you are a boss and you know what you're doing, but you but you need to be in those spaces because like only you can like share um, what you got. Um, and it can be so, so impactful. Like everything you've shared today was like so, so impactful and incredibly impactful for our listeners. I absolutely know it. Um, and I'm th- so thankful that you decided to say yes to do that. Um, and not listen to that, like doubt in your, in your, in your heart and in your mind that, um, that, uh, negative self-talk because like we need you in the spaces and the people that you're advocating for, um, we need that you in those spaces yeah <laughs> uh, to, to be there. Um, and you were there for, for a reason and a purpose and you did that thing and I am proud of you. So thank you so much for, for putting yourself out there and, and to, um, and telling that negative self talk, no, I'm, I'm gonna show up and be and be me. So, Aww,
1: thank yes. you for those positive words and holding the space, and yes. I'm gonna challenge you and hold you accountable to find at least one thing every week that you're winning at. Because mm. I'm gonna ask. Yes, gonna ask.
0: I know you. <laughs> and
1: what happened?
0: Oh, that's so good! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, this okay. has been this has been an absolute joy. I love that I got to start my day off talking with you, sharing with you. Um, and doing this and just like affirming one another. I, I love this. Um, I don't want it to end, but I got to let you go. <laughs> Do uh, Is there anything um, Is there anything uh, that you want to plug, share with the real fam, how they can keep up with you? Because um, you're amazing and I want everybody to know where to find you. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, I mean, I am always 110% always repping Minority Veterans of America. So Even if you are not a veteran and you're just an ally or you have military family, we absolutely want you in our family, in our community. So please feel free to volunteer your time, your energy, your efforts, or even just get the word out about what it is that we do, because we are very committed to changing the narrative around what it means to be an American veteran and Mm. what that looks like. It's not just all white men. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at Minority Vets. And I am also on Instagram personally at underscore just Chris, C-R-Y-S underscore. And I am also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Crystal Ellington. And I respond and I follow those who follow me. So um, I'm just really glad that we had the opportunity to have this space and my spirit is good and full for the rest yes. of the day. So <laughs> I'm going to be calling you and checking in on you now because we family at this we point. We family you know? now. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully all the Real Talk family enjoyed our conversation as much as I did.
0: Oh my gosh. I know they did. They love a good, they love a good session like this. Yes, uh, awesome on the team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Crystal.
1: All right.
0: And all right, y'all, that was my friend, the fam, the sis, uh, Crystal. Um, thank you again. A big shout out to you, Crystal, for coming through, sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, yourself with us. Um, it was just an incredible joy uh, to have her on her. Again, all the information she shared regarding the Vanessa Guillen Act, the uh, Washington Post article, um, MVA, all of that's going to be available in the show notes. So please, please, please check those out support 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 again if you are a black speaker and looking to get more black speaking opportunities and look for that community i'll also have the black speaker collection um, link in the show notes as well so you can get plugged in there or if you're looking for speakers panels conferences all that stuff beyond you know just uh black history month but in all areas i will have that also in the the link as well or in the show notes as well um, but that's, that's it for this episode, y'all. Thanks so much for checking it out. And, uh, yeah, I'll be seeing y'all next time. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. Additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. Till next time, y'all. Peace.